Welcome to BIV Today. I'm reporter Tyler Orton. Of course, there is a lot of economic uncertainty throughout 2020, but to what degree was that reflected in Canada's mergers and acquisitions landscape? Earlier this week, Vallejo Corporate Finance released an update examining M&A activity here in Canada. And joining us today to offer insights, it is David Rafa. He is president of Vallejo Corporate Finance. And David, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, Tyler, thanks for having me here. I'm pleased to be here. So I think we can all relate to this. At the outset of the pandemic, we witnessed much of the economy finding itself in a bit of a kind of paralysis sort of mode. You know, everybody wasn't really sure what was going to happen next. Was that reflected in M&A activity last spring? Yeah, I would say it, it was pretty much like somebody slammed the brakes on right around March or so of the year. So uh, 2019 was a good year for activity, and the activity seemed to increase kind of coming into 2020. Um, I had direct anecdotal experience in that I put two companies into market in February. You think about this world, a lot of companies uh, are marketed post their financial year end, which is more often than not December 31. So spring is often a, a very active time for M&A. And it was a whole bunch of activity right up until COVID. And then it was like radio silence. And so I think people were trying to figure out what was going to happen and how long it was going to last. And then they tried to get a handle on what they should be doing in the meantime while they were kind of writing it out. So uh, it was showing everything from dips in activity of number of deals and valuations to dips in valuation multiples and to deals just falling right off the table. So. So as we got into the second quarter and the third quarter, did Canada or BC, did, did any jurisdictions start to gain momentum in terms of activity going on in mergers and acquisitions? So um, I, looked, uh, I looked across Canada, I looked across the U.S. as well. Uh, activity for sure picked up in, started to pick up in Q3. I'd say Q Q2 and into Q3 were fairly quiet. I don't know, I'm talking about calendar quarters in those situations. Um, it was interesting talking to people because what you found was a lot of people were talking, but there didn't seem to be an awful lot happening. And, mm -hmm. I, and I actually think it's because people didn't actually know what to do with themselves. So they were stuck at home, working from home, making calls, talking to people about deals, but I wasn't hearing anything about people closing deals. That did change, though, uh, towards the end of Q3 and going into Q4. And if you actually look at the British Columbia activity, which was surprisingly a pretty good year for British Columbia, there was somewhere between about 40 and 50 um, either uh, uh, sales exits of British Columbia companies or in some cases, BC companies being the buyers. And of all the months, uh, November was by far the highest. And the December data is not in yet because often those deals will get signed and then they won't get announced until January. We're only in the middle of January right now. And a good example of that was Hootsuite announced an acquisition, I think it was about the first week of January. Now they would have been working on that in Q4 of uh, in Q3 of, of 20, uh, 2020. So I'm sure you'll hear a little bit more about that too. And certainly I've seen a pickup of activity coming into this year. Well, you mentioned the Hootsuite deal. I think that was with Spark Spent Central. Uh, that's kind of yep. a U.S. Belgian company. But were there other trends, like particular sectors, that did you know pretty well in BC last year? 
Well, there were, there were sectors that did well um, on a broader base look, and then there were sectors that did quite well within British Columbia. So on a broader base, um, it's not really, and I focus on technology, of course, it, it's not surprising that IT, uh, healthcare IT, health and wellness IT uh, was up. It was almost double the amount of activity. So if you think about it, everybody suddenly became much more health conscious and much more conscious about uh, health and wellness applications and things like that. Um, there was a bit of activity like that in British Columbia, but where there was a lot of activity in British Columbia, which I, which um, I don't have an explanation for other than the fact that it's a big sector here is the gaming and digital imaging sector. So, and that, that really involves two different sectors. People often lump them together, but there's the gaming companies that produce online games, on and offline games. And then there's the companies who work in the uh, cinema business. Uh, doing special effects and things like that. And there's a lot of overlap and a lot of cross-pollination between people. Uh, there was a number of um, companies acquired that were in the, the um, gaming space and acquired for some pretty good valuations. In fact, BC, BC and Vancouver in particular has always been big in that space. And it's, it's, I'm starting to wonder how many independent companies there are out there because a lot of them love to advertise that they were an independent gaming company and they're all having to scrap that off their website, but good, good for their shareholders. You know, they were good transactions. So, well, maybe I'll just speak anecdotally. I, I'm a really bad gamer. I, I'm my friends can beat me all the time, but I did notice that was kind of one of the activities I did pick up during the pandemic because you know you, you can connect with friends online and um, have some sort of social interaction. So I wonder if that was driving kind of some of the interest that we saw in the BC gaming sector as well. Yeah, it, you know, for sure. I mean. For sure, there was activity in sectors that kind of benefited from COVID. It, it's, a, it's a hard thing to say, you know, benefiting from COVID because uh, because of the negative effects of it. But, you know, looking forward two, three, four years out, there will be a lot of benefits that come out. In fact, even just the science behind uh, 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 the vaccines will have uh, spin, spinover effects into other areas. But for sure, you know, I mean, look at Zoom as a classic example, right? Uh, a couple of years ago, everybody in business knew who Zoom was. Everybody on the planet knows who Zoom is now. <laughs> so, and there's lots of other companies like that too, you know, GoToMeeting and uh, other companies that do online uh, meetings. So it's not just Zoom, but but for some reason they really captured it. And to see a public company have its stock price go up in one year by, I think at its peak, over 700%. And the last time I looked, it was about 500%. I mean, that is just, you know, that's just shocking in that situation, so. Well, let's pretend, I don't know, it's April or May 2020, we're starting to kind of come out of that paralysis that I mentioned, and you got a hold of the numbers for, you know, the total number of deals and maybe the dollar amounts that they're worth. Would 2020 have surprised you back in the spring? Would have underperformed or overperformed based on maybe where your thoughts were, you know, back in like, you know, let, let's say April or May? Well, people in, in M&A tend to track two things. One is number of deals done. And the second is uh, the number of deals done, but expressed in dollar terms if you accumulate all of the sale prices together. And so they're two very different things. You can have a small number of deals done one year, but one mega deal that just puts the dollar value over the top. Um, about about um, two thirds into this year, which is the most current data that I had, 
uh, both numbers of deals done and value, total value of deals done was down by about two thirds. Uh, when you asked about earlier around May or so, I, I mean, I directly saw the activity drop off. It's anecdotal, but I had two companies in market both cases, we signed over 50 non-disclosure agreements, which is just a, you know, an amazing number to sign up showing parties interested in deals. And neither of those deals completed. You know, mm. now having said that, activities already come back in both of them kind of coming into this year, but people just put the brakes on. And um, but if you look at kind of the top, say two dozen publicly announced deals. Um, the dollar values were big. There was more than two dozen over a billion dollars um, last year. You know, these were the big companies buying relatively big companies, if you look at it that way. So think about the, the buyers being companies like Facebook and Microsoft and Apple and Salesforce. And of course, Salesforce had the acquisition of Slack, which has kind of a local connection. So Stuart Butterfield, the founder, being a Victoria boy. So uh, so that's a wonderful like local connection in, in that situation, and the local office as well. So um, and then of course for every one of those deals announced dollar value, there's probably at least another one of that size where they just didn't announce the dollar value. So that was actually quite good activity. But if you actually look at the overall numbers and dollar values, we're on track to maybe end up 20 to 30 percent down year over year compared to 2019. And going back to probably about 2013, when I think I started looking more closely at the data year over year, there's been kind of a steady increase almost every year, year over year in those situations. So this will definitely amount to a blip. But I think- Well, be I, well yeah. I guess that kind of leads me to my next question though, is how are we shaping up for 2021? Like, do you think that there's some momentum that we can get going in this new year? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely do. And uh, I saw it directly myself um, with uh, three letters of intent coming in between the last two weeks of Christmas and the first week of January. Um, generally speaking, uh, M&A people uh, love to vacation. And so trying to do something with them in the summertime is tough and trying to do something with them over the Christmas break is tough because in the Christmas break, they're all off skiing in the summertime. They're all holidaying at their places in, in, in Europe, you know. And so uh, I found myself working Christmas Eve and working on Boxing Day, but, you know, not Christmas Day and working on New Year's Eve. There's a lot of activity and, you know, and there's a lot of reason for that, too. You know, I mean, those, those are my anecdotal uh, points, but on a broader trend. Um, if you look at a lot of what people are talking about, writing about, there's probably four to six different drivers that people expect will drive a lot of M&A activity in 2021. The first one is private equity funds uh, have record amounts of dollars sitting in the bank not being used, trillions of dollars. Well, you know, the people who run those funds, they're given that money by investors to put it to work not to sit in a bank account and earn 0.5% interest. So that money has to move. And so it's just a question of when the market gets confident enough to move. And I believe it'll happen now. And I believe the turning point, two turning points, one was the US election kind of, I was gonna say settled out and kind of determined, but we're still not 100% of the way there, but, but mostly there. And then the big one being the um, some success with the early vaccines that have come out and knowing that they're going to start to roll out and change people's behaviors. 
Um, similarly, um, to private equity funds, corporate balance sheets. So companies with money, and I think that's why I think the big companies you've seen buying will be buying even more going forward uh, this year. And um, supplementing that it, uh, includes uh, the freeing up the credit markets, which help finance deals. I mean, they froze in March, April, and May. They just, banks just stopped lending money uh, in that situation. That's changed. Interest rates have stayed low. There's nothing suggesting they're going to go up. So it's a good time to borrow money and deploy it. And then um, you've got, you know, a couple other factors. One is, is what are the government stimulus packages going to do? Because they're all about stimulating business activity and giving confidence to the market. And then, of course, the long-term efficacy of the vaccines that have come out and how quickly they roll out and what happens. So, um, so I think there's there's enough reasons lining up that would suggest that this is going to be a good year, if not the first part of 2021, but certainly the last part and then going into 2022 as well. I expect a lot of M&A activity. Well, I'm looking forward to keeping my eyes on that. It's going to be fascinating. I'd love to talk to you in a couple of months as we get like a, a better picture of how 2021 is shaping up. But until that time, David, just thank you so much for joining us on the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Tyler, and I look forward to talking again. Well, that is David Rafa. He is president of Vallejo Corporate Finance, and that is it for our show today. Thank you for listening, but we'll be back right ahead tomorrow. Until then, I'm Tyler Orton.